When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome to the Giants Find Carlos Correa Croncast. I'm Brian Murphy. I'm Doug Brizzoni. And Brian, shut up. Don't, whatever you're going to say, don't say it. We are going to talk about the Giants Sign Carlos Correa to a 13-year, $350 million deal. Woo! Hooting and hollering. Yeah! Woo-hoo-hoo! <laughs> We're hitting both buttons. That's right. It was Carlos Correa, a guy that you had... At the top of your list, if not judge, then Correa. Was that sort of your thinking or or what? Yeah, I mean, they were clearly the top two hitters this year. Um, I mean, you know, Trey Turner, excellent player. Uh, who's, the, who's the other shortstop who's already signed? Bogart's good player. Uh, yep. But uh, Dansby Swanson. Dansby Swanson, also good. But Correa is the one. Correa and Judge were the two who you're like, those are the two who are most likely to be great players for several years to come. I kind of forgot about Correa in the background, <laughs> like coming coming into the off season. I think I definitely let my biases against Astros and and also just this idea of I thought of him as a nice player and, and not in a like a damning with faint praise. I'm like, yeah, he's he's good. Um, is he going to be like a $30 million, uh, $40 million a year player, which he might be pitched to the market as? I didn't think so. But you know what? He's not a 30 or $40 million a year player <laughs> because the Giants spread it out over 13. Um, but he is not just a nice player. He's a he's a pretty freaking great player. I think the injuries, all that stuff have made me had some concerns. But so that's why he just wasn't on my it was like after judge. I don't know what they're going to do. But there is a part of me that's like, the Giants are going to be fine, basically, no matter what they do. And we'll get into that in a little bit later. But yes, we're talking largely about Carlos Correa. I did carve out some time for us to talk about Correa as part of a a, a, a catalog of moves that the Giants have made uh, this year. And we'll talk about that some more. But uh, is there, I, I want to say this. Or, or is there any stats you want to highlight? Any sort of things about him that you're like, listen, if you don't know who Carlos Correa is... Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> um, so last year, his 
defense, I want to talk about his defense a little. Last year it regressed a bit, which, you know, defense is always up and down a bit. The year before, mm-hmm. it was fantastic. I think he won the Platinum Glove as the best fielder in the majors the year before. Um, if not then, then it was 2018. I'm not sure. I don't actually remember which year. Those are his two best defensive years. Um, like he's, he's plus really 15 runs. Yeah. He was plus 15 fan graphs runs in 21. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in 22 was a down year. He's still plus two runs. Uh, you know, that's not bad. I mean, as much as we love Brandon Crawford, um, who has had some excellent years defensively, you know, his best year was set plus 17 runs. And that was, and Correa's best year is also plus 17 runs. So, um, they have similar ceilings, but Correa is a lot younger. And so as Crawford ages and leaves after next year, um, it's going to be great to have a legitimate star there at shortstop. Yeah. I just doing the averages, uh, Crawford's obviously had a longer career, but Brandon Crawford's, I think his defensive runs just, this is fan graph. So it's in a way it's kind of quick and dirty. We're not factoring in like outs above average and zone rating. And we're kind of ignoring, I'm ignoring just the last three years, which generally speaking, when you're doing an analysis of a player, that's usually the better way to go, not the whole career, but just to give you an idea of what what you're dealing with. If you as a Giants fan consider Brandon Crawford to be one of the best defensive shortstops you've ever seen, which when you're talking about all of baseball is maybe debatable, but let's just say it's not, it's debatable in that there's an argument to be made. Brandon Crawford is an elite defender at shortstop. Great. He's, he's basically twice as good as Carlos Correa, who is great. Right. If that makes sense, that that's what the number is just a quick and dirty analysis over their career. And then offensively, it's not even a question. <laughs> So you've got a guy who's a good defender, but half as good as Brandon Crawford, let's say. But he is, um, I don't know. I don't know what's a way to say this that makes the most sense. And actually, you're better at numbers than I am. But he's four times better offensively. (laughs) (laughs) Or Actually, I have that wrong. Because Brandon Crawford has this negative run value, offense value, just if you're going off the stand. But he's easily twice as good. So half the defender, twice as good on offense. That's a that's a good line. So um, Crawford has been in the majors for 12 years. Carlos Correa's worst offensive year would have been a middle of the pack one for Crawford. That's right. And there's a lot more to talk about with him that I I want to. But I also want to transition. I want to cover the basis because we just did a podcast. We just talked about we just talked (laughs) about this. Just because we got it completely wrong doesn't mean we can't talk about it more. Uh, there's a non-zero chance Larry Bear was locked in a broom closet for these negotiations to be closed out. We could still be right, Doug. I mean, that might have <laughs> they might have listened to the podcast and be like, oh, if we're going to close this thing out, hey, Larry, go talk to Dansby Swanson. That's right. <laughs> there is one thing we haven't tried yet, this yeah. one simple trick. So, <laughs> so uh, he is a... Uh, Carlos Correa is unequivocally a good player, even if you want to factor in that he admitted to cheating and, and all that stuff, which is fine. That's all fair to count against him, but he is objectively statistically a great player. He also is a player with very little experience at Oracle park, which may have helped the giants. I got to read this Henry Shulman tweet. My expansive Reese. This is what he sent last night. 
Uh, my expansive research team has learned that Correa has played in five games at Oracle Park. Three were during the day, and the average first pitch temperature of the five was 66 degrees. One a day game at 73 degrees. <laughs> Shh, don't say anything else till he signs the contract. So that was the... <laughs> Right, the so, Giants found the market inefficiency. So, Brian, I did some research on this. Do you know how, how he did against the Giants in those games? Okay, if, I'm you, had gonna guess, say, if you had to guess, good, okay, or bad, which one of those is closest? Good. Completely wrong. He was awful in those five games. He was games. awful. Okay. He hit, he hit one, 158, 238, 211. Okay, he, then he must have just had a great series against them when he was with the Twins, or is it just one good game? He might have just no, had that, one. That's good his game. career. That's his yeah, career. That's his at career. Park. Okay, all five okay. games. Okay, well then, great. <laughs> He's like five games. Carlos Correa said Car- five games is not a big enough sample size. <laughs> that's that's right. He's a clip went around on Twitter uh, where he was talking about analytics. I didn't watch it. But let's just say that was one of them. That's right. There was a clip also of Jeremy Reed, who's the shortstop. I would say a burgeoning star, or he's a really good. He's a nice player. Yeah. Jeremy, yeah, Pena? nice playoffs. Re- Jeremy Reed? Pena. I said Reed, didn't I? Uh, yeah. Jer- uh, Jeremy Pena, at the shortstop for the Astros currently, and there is a clip going around of him talking about what Carlos Correa taking him under his wing in that final season that he was with the Astros. And and very complimentary, very uh, inspired, kind of in awe of what Correa did. And Correa was after they got eliminated in the World Series said, you know, this is you're going to be a star now or this is your team now or you're going to have a lot more responsibility. He knew he was leaving. Uh, All the pundits today were pointing out something as well. At the end of that year. So was that 2020, 2020, 2021? So, yeah. So he was offered by the Astros, a five-year, $160 million deal. And then I don't recall off the top of my head what he got from Minnesota this past season in 22. But that plus now the next 13 years, he turned five years, 160 into 14 years, 400, no, wait, $395 million. I think that was maybe what it winds up being. Something like that. So, so something wild. Uh, good for him. Congratulations. <laughs> Gross, that, that's the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what does this mean? You know, we're 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 commenting as fans and, uh, you know, that's what SB Nation's all about. That's what the platform is. But we're also trying to come at it from a, a sort of informed view in, in terms of like you guys who are listening, you people who are listening, you have your own lives. You're doing your own thing. You're not checking in all day. But Doug and I, God, there are very few minutes in the day where I'm not thinking about the Giants. I won't speak for you, Doug, but. <laughs> no, we, we do not have lives. You have yes. lives. We don't. Yes. Uh, it, is, it has been a series of very poor choices on our parts that have led us here. So not only are we like thinking about them, we're reading about them. We're finding errant comments. I will even use Twitter sometimes as a primary source because I'm like, who is saying this and following like the, like a tree of this person worked for this person or this person's disinformed. They have these relationships, but all that said, I am not entirely sure what it means for Brandon Crawford. Let's say, I will say that, Keith Law's uh, analysis of the deal were like, oh, they'll just cut or bench Brandon Crawford so that Correa can play short is is one of those things, you know, Keith Law 
feels like his prime is past, but it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like, he's certainly been accused of being sort of out of touch, if not with his audience, then I think this is one of those times where he's just out of touch with like what's going on in baseball and using his own personal, like, well, of course you wouldn't play a bad player to completely ignore Brandon Crawford's place in on the giants in the franchise history. Um, so the question of, is he moving to third base? Is he playing shortstop is, um, is an interesting one. Um, he said in September, right to John Shea that he intends to play shortstop next year in the final year of his deal. We've certainly heard a lot of, of talk that I, but I've also heard just as much just talk, not from Crawford that he'll just move to third base. And I wonder if you're Carlos Correa and you you're signing a 13 year deal that it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. He's, he's going to be, <laughs> I mean, Correa is eventually going to be shortstop. Um, right. You know, no matter what. So uh, Susan Slusser did say Crawford will move to third um, on Twitter. Yeah, Sus- Slusser says a lot of things. Let's. <laughs> we don't want to get slussed. We don't want to walk under the slussing floor and fall through the slusser. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, that's it's a good point. But also, realistically, you know, if if something came up and they're like, no, we feel like they'll see. Crawford play third base in spring training or something, you know, is there a reasonable expectation that Brandon Crawford's going to play a hundred games this year? Anyway, he, he played 118 last year. Um, you know, so I, I guess what I'm saying is like, is this really that big of a deal or is it just weird to think about? I think it's more weird to think about than an actual issue. Yeah. I, th- I think it's weird to think about. I mean, when, when I've seen people talk about it and one of the things they point out is, you know, Cal Ripken moved to third. Like he was a shortstop, <laughs> he moved to third. Right. You don't get like more of a franchise player than that. Um, yeah. And so it, it can happen, you know, and Crawford, I mean, you know, Crawford was a good shortstop last year. Uh, he, but was. he was better than Correa defensively. He was, yeah. better, he was better than Correa, but he's also going to be 36. Uh, yeah. And as someone who was recently 36 and is now sadly <laughs> older than 36, <laughs> um, I, I can tell you, <laughs> your body, even Brandon Crawford's body, will probably not play its best shortstop at that age. Um, so, you know, last year, sure, Crawford was was better. Next year, will he be? I, I don't know. And if Correa is going to be sort of the franchise guy, then that's, you know, it would make sense to put him there. Also, if somebody gets injured or is out for game, it will be nice to not have to rely on Tyro Estrada there. I love you, Tyro, but uh, you know, that's, that's more of an, that should be more of an emergency option than a backup option. Right. It's definitely, it's, I think it's weird for giants fans to think this line and have it have any sort of real weight to it. But really this is a good problem to have Uh, that you have your choices. (laughs) Uh, so you, you want the contract either is, a great shortstop or the best player on your team at shortstop. Like that's, that's a good thing. Yes. So the contract itself, this is more of a me question. I think we'll, we'll be able to move on from it quickly, but why are these deals so long? Why is that needed in the current climate? I think the answer is pretty clear, right? It's just, they, they don't want to run up against the luxury tax. Any of these owners, they want to lower the burden of it. If they do run into it, the Phillies being an example, the Yankees too. Um, but at the same time, 
these players are not just in a vacuum. They have elders in their lives and surely their fathers or mothers being like, why do you want to play baseball at 40? (laughs) Why do you want to be doing that with your life? Like you're going to be tired of it at some point, if not just not good at it. You know, they can read the same tables of that. And I guess, what does that mean? I mean, that would prevent these gigantic deals from being signed, but at the same time, that's the baller move, right? (laughs) If you're Carlos Correa, Seven years sounds great, but what if you could get the same money for five? You know, that kind of stuff. So I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Or or because now I'm sure since you said you're past 36, aren't you like, man, if I had been playing baseball since I was like, like competitively where it was ever, it was super serious since I was like 12 years old. That's <laughs> I had the chance um, to. The teams I would stop. have been on would have been very unhappy. If I had been playing competitively, <laughs> they're like, why is this guy still here? He's bad at everything. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, he's got a good it's spirit a, though. You've got good jokes. He's got a good spirit. Uh, his, his arm is okay. If he throws a ball in from the outfield, it, it'll get to the infield on the fly. That's, that's the kindest thing you can say about me as a baseball player. That's also true. <laughs> Um, really sarcastic no, I mean, when so- he's rounding the bases. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> what, yeah. Um, so I think there's a couple things I think from the team's perspective, uh, it's the luxury tax thing. Um, from a player's perspective though, you're not going to get much more than the $350 million total. And since that's going to take you through all of your good years anyway, I mean, like realistically speaking, you know, maybe the Giants, maybe they negotiate super hard and they get it down to $350 million for nine years, right? Or something, or like $300 million for nine years. Is he going to make that extra $50 million over those last four years? No, he's not, because he's going to be worse um, right. at baseball, because that's what happens. Uh, so what you're, from the player's perspective, you're getting a team that's saying, yes, you're good enough. We think you're worth this. And that's that's what you want to hear. You want a team that believes in you like that. Um, so it does kind of make sense for both sides. And if you're going to, there's only so many players who get more than one mega deal. And generally speaking, uh, A-Rod and Stanton are the only ones I can, I can think of offhand. Their second mega deal came because they opted out after like three or four years of the first one. You don't actually get another massive deal like that you only get one so you might as well just have it take the rest of your career and get as much as you can out of it i agree i just i'm also thinking in more about the case of judge i was thinking is like that he can he's seeing the same numbers if not better numbers than we can see about people his size and all that and it makes complete sense to bet on yourself but I'm I'm also curious, like, was there a version where he could do eight for three? You know what I mean? Like when people think eight years, you know, Carlos Correa is in 13 years is going to be 41. But I isn't that just him He's playing through his age 30 season? It's like people forget to count the first season of the deal that it starts. I, I guess in the case of Correa. So what a 13 year deal and 40, a 10 year deal. He would have been ending age 37 season. Right. So and if it was 10 for 350. The Giants are spending 35. It's a $35 million a year AAV right now. It's about 27 million. And I get it. They're, they're definitely saying we can do a lot with that $8 million, including pay down some of the tax that we would owe or whatever, if we wanted to go with Otani right. or something. 
but I guess I guess that's what I'm saying. That I guess what I'm saying is that the the part about exactly what you said, they're going to get paid essentially what their value is if things go well or if they continue producing at a relative rate for the next. Really, these are these long term deals. These are really intended to be the value what the teams believe are your next six years, right? That that makes the most sense to me. Um, yeah, you know they're they're assuming that they're going to get. Pete Correa for the next three years. And then probably the next three after that, probably some range of good to even very good. And then whatever they get after that, they're going to just count as good fortune. Um, And and I don't have a problem with it. Like offhand, if you think about Hunter Pence's five-year deal, the first two years he was, he was peak Pence. The next two years he was, he was mostly like good when he was on the field, but injured. So like he maybe played a combined hundred and, 30 games between those two years, 130 good games, but still, you know, 130 games. Then his last year, he was awful. So like, if you stretch yeah. that out a little bit longer, that's probably, that's about the shape you would expect it to take. Even if, you know, hopefully it'll be three or four good years and then like three okay years and then the rest of it or whatever. I just don't, I mean, in the case of judge, let's just stick with judge for a second, since this is why I was thinking about it. And you get booed at Yankee Stadium in the first month of the season this past season. <laughs> you know, the last three years of your career are going to be your home fans, you know, reacting negatively to you or your injury always being the topic of conversation and basically constant reminders of your mortality or that you're past your glory days. And, and I just wonder if there wasn't one person at any point where Carlos Correa's like, uncle or dad or mom were like, why do you want that, that garbage? Why do you want that nonsense clouding up your life? But if that's the deal and yeah, getting the most money is what matters at the end of the day. And I guess if they're saying whatever form that takes, I'm fine with it. That all tracks. But I do wonder if there are players that have been like, I don't want to play past 38, (laughs) but I want this amount of money. So how do we make this work? I mean, I read that the uh, Baggerly said this in his report that the Giants were trying to get it to go to 15 years to spread the money out that much more. Um, yeah. And and it's and that would have just run afoul of Major League Baseball. The commissioner would have nixed the deal. No indication the player would have had an issue with that, which maybe they would have. But who knows? Um, so yeah, I guess I think there was a report that the Padres offered were wanting to sign judge for 14 years, 400 million. And the league said, no, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, so it would have been the same thing. So, yeah. So this kind of in our next topic point, it, it kind of crams into that a little bit. Um, just that's why you're seeing all these long deals and, and all that, and why they're stretching them out and, and the, but the value, look at the f- total value. That's how they're valuing the player. Um, and I, I didn't leave us a room for, for doing this because maybe it attaches later to the other moves they've made, but essentially this Carlos, Korea deal. And this is what I said last night on Twitter was this is the perfect uh, condition. It's the perfect situation that the giants front office wants to be in. He is the perfect player for what they are trying to do, not just from a talent standpoint, but how they acquire and manage that talent, how they pay for it. Um, he costs no draft pick, no international bonus pool money, right? He fills a position of need 28 years old. So basically at his peak value right now, and you're going to write out the rest of that. Um, and, and 
is has been so consistently better than your other options that it's just a money upgrade. You're literally just paying money for an upgrade, which is the point of the money is to improve upon some area of your roster. You know, Marco As Luciano Andre is. <laughs> that's what the money's for yes marco luciano is not projected to stay at shortstop right you've got uh, casey schmidt's going to be third base you know so again if something weird happens in a shortstop if is it averson artiaga am i making up a name i'm making yeah, up a name it was an Ar- artiaga okay. no Ar- yeah it's an artiaga that's right yeah if, if they if he just you know what i mean it's like oh we got to figure out what to do with him that's again a good problem to have but in the meantime you're filling a crucial position of need who also checks the marquee box you know just a, a clubhouse thing i'm i'm a big believer in that and uh that jeremy pena comment was was more evidence that okay there's enough around the industry to indicate that they think of him not just as a good guy, but as a leader, a guy who wants to be in the front, the forefront of things. Um, and that's the Giants have uh, the far anxiety era has been very aggressive about saying we want good people, people who love playing baseball. People are you know here to learn and also take charge and be a leader. Um, and he checks literally every box from the whole time. Zaidi and Kapler had their press conference, all their interviews, ups and down years, whatever. He checks every single box. So the amount that they're paying for him is is nothing because it is exactly what they would have hoped to do in that situation. Yeah, I mean, so this was the I think I might have said this a few days ago in the last podcast. This was the plan. This is what they wanted to do. This is what the Dodgers did. Um, Anxiety was was not there when they hit their culmination of that plan with Mookie Betts. Um, But you want to build like a strong foundation and then you get that star and you go to the next level. Um, that's what they want to do. And they're not, I mean, their foundation isn't quite there yet. Like they're not quite as rock solid, just producing three win players out of their farm system by accident. They're like, Oh yeah. Zaidi's not going, Oh yeah. I hadn't heard of that guy either. <laughs> like last week, but yeah, he's, <laughs> he's now the, the fourth best player on the team. Um, they're not, they're not quite doing that. But they all, but you know, if you can get that star player, you get him. Like that's, that's what you do. Um, I would think I, another point I would make is that, um, and I was going to say this before I read Dan Simborski's uh, Zips projections where he said what uh, the twins actually offered Correa, but the Minnesota twins were never going to outbid the Giants for Carlos Correa. That was absolutely not going to happen. Um, I was, I was not worried about them. I was worried about like the Mets or uh, some other, or some other like big market team coming in and just making a silly deal or like the Padres being like, no, we also want him. We don't care. We don't care. We just got one. We're going to get two. Um, Yeah. That was my flash. Yes. I was like, are the Red Sox going to say psych? We were negging Xander Bogarts this whole time so we could get Carlos Correa. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was always way more likely to me than the twins and the twins offered 10 years, 285 million, apparently, which you competitive. Know, yeah. It's that's a good offer last year. That's it's, it's not what guys are making this year. Um, it's less than Correct. what Andrew Bogarts. I mean, it's, I guess it's a little bit more money over one fewer year, but realistically, it's not as good as the Bogarts deal, you know, for the, for the player, the caliber of players that they are, you have to do more than that. 
I should have then just mentioned, okay, if the twins had somehow just said 10, 350 or 13, 350, that's when it comes down to why would Carlos Correa take the one where he's playing more for the same money? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, that's what I'm saying. Maybe it's just getting old and be like, why do you want to work so much? So long <laughs> you can get paid the same. Why not? Yeah, that's I Zamborski, uh, Zam, Dan Zamborski's. Yes. Right up. What he's been on the show before. It was a great, it was a great piece. He's, he's a great writer anyway, but it was a really good piece of talking about it all. And, and yeah, exactly. The twins were dealing with the last free agency model of how you make, how you approach players and the giants didn't have to have that consideration because it was just money. Um, on top of that, um, what am I doing? Oh, on top of that, he projected it to be a 41.7 win uh, value over 13 years, which who knows, right? 13 years out as, as a baseball player projection, who knows what that what that is. But that would basically mean that what they offered him would be in line with the projection, depending on how you value wins above replacement. You said it's $8 million, then it's about... 333 million would be the value of 41.7 wins, but we know there's, it goes a little bit beyond wins above replacement, the intangibles, but it's all in an exact, exact science, but man, the giants are working really hard to make it exact. (laughs) Oh, I forgot my other point. What you said about the Dodgers and how he left before that could like when that all really started happening, the giants also didn't have to trade prospect capital or, take on bad uh, salary from somewhere else like the Dodgers had done before. So for the Giants, this was just like, we just have to outlay cash for one player. There's no other players involved. We're not taking on extra money. It's just this one guy. And they're getting him for $27 million a year. That's a bargain. Yeah. (laughs) Really? I mean, the Dodgers had to do it twice. Um, Because people remember the Betts and, and David Price contracts coming together. But also when the Dodgers traded for Adrian Gonzalez, they had to take Carl Crawford and Josh Beckett. Um, mm-hmm. Like the Dodgers were desperate to get those, those guys, and, you know, Adrian Gonzalez was a good player for them, but not his days of like being a big star were, were mostly over. Um, but you know, bets, obviously it's worked out. The giants are just paying money and you know what? They have lots of money and they can pay it and they should pay it. That's right. And also, then... also uh, Carlos Bayerga half right. Wrong on Judge, he, right on the Giants getting Correa. He was more than half right because he knew what the Giants' offer was to them. And he all Bayer was was missing was the lack of imagination. He couldn't imagine that Hal Steinbrenner would, would match the deal. So I think he was more than half <laughs> right. I think he yeah. knew what the offer was. And he's like, well, of course, Judge is going to take that. And then the Yankees just kind of put their belt on and went, fine. Like they put their right. pants on and they're like, fine. And that's how Steinbrenner came back from, from his meeting with the Pope. He was like, <laughs> the, the Pope turned down my bribe. So I'm, I'm definitely going to hell, <laughs> which means I have the money yeah. to get Aaron judge. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Priceline. 
let's uh dabble in let's do some some basic some basic bitch uh sports blog uh broadcasting right now let's do some predictions doug <laughs> okay i love predictions uh do you think larry bear was barred from the negotiation <laughs> uh they they didn't tell him he was barred they told him uh you know we're not sure we're gonna get this done you better go reach out to dansby swanson i, I think i've already said that uh he went he got on a plane went to uh wherever swanson lives they had a perfectly cordial meeting walked away from it swanson was like this is kind of a weird guy and then the giant sun crane I like that. That's much more complicated and fun. And I would think it would just be like, oh, the meeting's in conference room B, and then it's actually in conference room C. And then No, no, it. they've tried they've tried that one on Larry Bear before. He's he's a wily character. Well, of course it'd be in conference room B for Bear. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where else would it be? He's he's like, uh, oh, they must have just said the wrong conference room. Like, oh, we didn't think he'd check the other ones. I'm convinced he was not barred from the negotiation, but it was less that it was uh, Rob Dean. That's who Scott Boris was dealing with. Cause like we said in the last podcast, and I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're listening to other baseball stuff. When the deals are this large, the ownership, the ownership group, whoever fronts that they're making these negotiations. It's much less. I'm, I know baseball ops definitely, participates because why would you sign up to be president of baseball operations if you can't participate in negotiation, but basically final approval gets done. Um, and also I think Boris had taken the giants around the block a couple of times already that, you know, maybe bear was just like, this is not fun. I'm not going to be here for this. Like he just has a short attention span. And if there's no immediate, he, the longer it drags out, the less he wants to stay. I don't think he was barred. I just think he wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a big part of it. All right. Who will be the better player over the course of their lifetime deals, Correa or Judge? And you can use whatever criteria you want for better. All right. Uh, my criteria is I'm a, I'm going to be a huge homer. So Correa. <laughs> um, I I can you know say that uh, Keith Law likes Correa better because he does. He's, he had Correa as his top uh, top guy of the offseason. Uh, so Samborski, Dan Samborski, ha- yeah, sure. Dan Samborski has a uh, has Korea as worth more over his contract than Judge. Judge he has being better over the first, um, I think, three years, and then after that, uh, tw- in twenty twenty seven, or yeah, in twenty twenty seven, he finally at or twenty twenty six, he finally has Korea being better, and then he's better for just the whole rest of the contract, um. You know, the Zips projections are obviously just projections. They don't mean anything necessarily, but um, the he has the, the way the playing time hits uh, hits Judge and the when when his power kind of starts to go and the injuries hit him, it looks like he's projected anyway to not uh, to not last to not have the, the kind of the legs that Correa will. Um, and uh, I'm going to go with that because I want it to be true. Well, we didn't really get too much into his offensive skill set, you know, but it, it, basically there's been criticism like he's not going to be a 25, 30 home run guy, Correa, but he's a great fit for Oracle Park. He's going to be he is a gap to gap guy. That's already the profile. 
And so when you hear a, a power hitting gap to gap guy at Oracle Park, you're thinking doubles and triples. That's exciting. That's fantastic. And then defensively on the injury thing, I saw that he's actually really good. He's a great defender who doesn't dive a lot. So he actually minimizes. He plays it in such a way he's able to minimize his injury risk, which Obviously doesn't show up in the numbers right now because he doesn't play <laughs> like he doesn't play. He's had injury spots where he's missed it. But in term long term, the, his style of play will potentially minimize how much time he misses or injuries diminishing his performance. It, it could it could be theoretically a more gradual aging curve. Um, so that's exciting. I, yeah, I, I, you kind of have to. I mean, look, it's a it's a power hitting uh, six foot seven outfielder guy who mashes versus an athletic middle infielder. And he's, you know, Correa's game is is much more balanced um, when he starts to lose a step. He'll still have the bat, you know, and and yeah, I think over the life it, it'll be it'll be good. But yeah, the first two years, I would say the next two seasons, though, it's not going to feel that way. <laughs> when Aaron judge like hits a hundred home runs over the next two seasons. But it is important to remember that judge is like that team. He's the whole lineup for them. And, uh, and that's not entirely the case with, um, with Korea. Um, it, what would be more interesting, which we're not going to do is Korea is Korea versus the other shortstops, how those like, who's going to have the better, Long term, is he going to be better than Bogarts for the going the rest of, of the way? Trey Turner seems like they're almost neck and neck uh, in terms of who will be as valuable, but harder to say. I would, I would guess. Yeah, I mean, um, if I had to predict, I'd have um, Correa and Turner kind of in one tier, and then Bogarts and uh, and Swanson below them. But you never know. Exactly, and okay, so then. This is something I wrote about, but will this deal? And this is something you talked about. So now I realize I just stole your idea, but and I used it in an article. So thanks, Doug. But also, sorry. <laughs> uh, will this deal improve, prevent, or do nothing in regards to the Giants' chances of signing Shohei Otani next season, next off season? I mean, yeah, it, it has to improve them because um, Otani's only going to go somewhere he thinks he can win. And so he wants to see the commitment to winning and he wants to see uh, good players on the team. And that's, you know, Carlos Correa is both of those things. I don't necessarily think it makes them the favorites. I think if the Dodgers want to jump in and give Otani 10 years and 500 million, which they might, then, uh, then, you know, that's the giants aren't going to match that. But um, I think it puts them in the in the ballpark baseball term uh in a way <laughs> that they would not have been otherwise i totally agree i and i think that's important is to know that is to at least put yourself in position because it's you know it's not luck that they got korea entirely but in in some ways it is right because they don't have all the other stuff that would make them attractive to free agents who are looking for a winner necessarily. You know, Correa is also banking on the Giants program that they have in place. You know, it's it's got to feel familiar to Houston. So he knows what it's capable of. Right. But a lot of other players might have been looking, seemed like they were looking for more certainty. That would seem to hurt the Giants when it comes to Otani. Right. He wants to walk into a situation where it already looks good. So but at the same time, it's exactly what you said. 
is this team trying? Are they in a better position to win? Otani might be receptive to, well, you know, since Zaidi has been able to implement his program, we've had 2021. Yes, 2022 was a dip, but then look where they bounced back to in 2023. I think the Giants are already in good shape heading into the season. You know, better. They were entering the season kind of in a, a better position how they ended last season. And let's just transition into that. The Giants made two uh, starting pitching ads right before this Korea news. I wonder if they just if if there was an issue where they accidentally sent one contract to the other with the names <laughs> switched because it's the same deal. Ross Stripling, Shamanaya signed in reverse order. Shamanaya first and Ross Stripling, but both of them are getting twenty five million over two years with an opt out after year one, and then they were structured in such a way so that the real money that the Giants were paying um, is not going is not going to be their cap figure. Um, so I mean, we remember Ross Stripling because. His first start in the majors, he took a no-hitter into the eighth inning and then Trevor Brown homered, hit a two-run homer. And Dave Roberts took him out with a no-hitter still intact, and Trevor Brown hit a two-run homer that inning to tie the game. Um, that was fun. Uh, but it was overall, fun. <laughs> overall, I mean, he's been mostly a good pitcher. Um, his first few years were pretty consistent. The Dodgers never gave him that much playing time. Um, because they just had too many other good pitchers, basically. Uh, they traded him to Toronto when he was having a bad 2020, which, I don't know. Like, t- what happened in 2020, just throw it in the garbage. Uh, you know, none of that counts, really. Um, he rebounded a little bit in 2021, but not fully. And then last year, he had a good year with the Blue Jays. Um, did not throw that many innings. Uh, has never thrown more than that than 134 and a third innings in a season. Um, but, you know, he's he's a good pitcher. You know, you, you see him, you're, you very rarely watch him and be like, oh, he sucks. He's just, he's not like sexy or exciting, but he's a good like back the rotation option. Uh, and I certainly trust him more than Anthony DiScofani. You know who really wishes that what you said about 2020 was correct? Sam Coonrod. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, Ross Stripling is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, or actually I was certain when I was reading through Ross Stripling's profile, because I, I didn't watch the Blue Jays, surprisingly, this past year, so I didn't know what he did. Uh, but when I saw him on the list of free agents and just looked at him, I was like, oh, man, if Farnsidey hasn't been dreaming about him uh, being a free agent, uh, I'd be very surprised. And then you see Ross Stripling when he was interviewed after it was announced that he signed with them. He's like, Farn contacted me right when the season ended. (laughs) I bet it was 1201 too. He was like, listen. Yeah. Uh, But he profile wise, statistically it's his repertoire is slightly different in terms of pitch pitch mix, and then they'll probably tweak that. But he is basically not as hard throwing Jacob Junis. If I'm to give people an idea of what what he's it's like a sinker slider. He's got a change up and a curveball. But his real thing is no walks and no home runs. So he is a master of of basically deception and sequencing, I think. Because even his his spin rates are not incredibly sexy. So you know, he. I think he's got a, a delivery that's got some deception to it as well. So there, there is that. And yes, I was very happy about Ross Stripling. By the way, 
If I had just gone to bed last night thinking, <laughs> oh, they got Ross Stripling in the rotation. That's bad. That's not bad. That's it's all part of the same thing. It's like the Giants do have a process. That's what they were kind of smugly saying at the winter meetings. We're happy with our process and wink, wink. And, it, and you kind of think, oh, that means they're kind of boring and they're going to find whatever guys. <laughs> right. But, and when they don't sign Aaron Judge, you're like, what loser talk is that? Yeah. <laughs> But then also when you like I was basically putting a pin in what the big move could be. I I sensed there would be something because of missing out on judge would intensify that. And if they missed out on Korea, I still it would intensify that they would do something. But in the meantime, I was like, what are they doing in the meantime still? And I like one that they were doing anything at all. And two, they were they were getting guys that you could be confident in and you could clearly see what the process is. I feel like the Giants have just they've earned um, if they haven't earned your admiration, listener, or even your respect. What What's halfway between respect and benefit of the doubt? It should be that. <laughs> is it just benefit of the doubt? You should probably also, just give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. <laughs> also, if they haven't earned your respect or admiration, I admire you for listening to this Giants podcast. <laughs> way to way to really branch out there and it's it's i i don't even feel like it's drinking the kool-aid it's more i was skeptical and then you know seeing what their model is over time and you know being in the wastelands of not having to write on mccovey chronicles every day certainly made it easier to kind of look at things from a distant perspective um, and then you kind of just back it up and you see, okay, they're being very consistent in what they look for and the guys that they get who fit that mold generally, or not even generally more often than not perform how they would want them to, um, you know, basically looking at relievers going like, start with a guy who's like John Brebbia and work backwards. And then suddenly all their reliever pickups make more sense. You know, that kind of thing. You look at, what stripling does well uh this is now i'm kicking to you look at stripling and and it matches all the things they look for for starting pitchers his innings thing you brought up that's an interesting point but i think that's why they're collecting these guys right now you know alex cobb and uh alex wood are not guys you want to be counting on to give you 150 or 160 innings in a season not at all as good as they can be i mean 100% 100% if you get four guys who you think are each give you like 100 innings, then, you know, you're like, yeah, then we can piece together two rotation spots out of that. Um, yeah. And then Kyle and Harrison then, and maybe, looming. And maybe Kyle Harrison will show up or someone else will. Uh, who is it? The right-hander who I've seen a number of times, so I already... Tristan Beck? Do not remember. Tristan Beck. Yeah, I was about to say, tra- traded for Mark Melanson. Someone give me the name. Yeah, Tristan Beck, who had a really <laughs> nice end of the season um in in sacramento so you can then call them up use them as sort of uh your backups if you need them if if the hundred innings that wood and cobb and uh and stripling and mania all pitch happen to be at the same time so when they're all out you can you can then call up tristan beck and sean jelly and kind of fill in the rotation till they're back um but yeah i mean they're just they're trying to have a plan because they were thin at starting pitching last year and you saw yeah. you saw the issues that caused not just in the rotation, but um, having all those bullpen days, it really exposed the bullpen in a way that I think they would have been a lot more effective if they had not had to pit to take on so many innings because the team just didn't have any starters. Yep. 
So then that just boil that just brings me to put it on you because even if I study the Giants process and see the results and all and their acquisition model, the Shamanaya deal makes a little less sense to me in that regard. Does it make more sense to you? <laughs> um yeah, I mean I think Manaya even makes possibly I mean maybe probably just as much sense. Um because the downside of stripling is worse than the downside of Manaya. Um it's just stripling was better last year. But, uh, you know, Stripling in even 2021 was was pretty rough with a 521 FIP. Um, last year for all of Manaya's struggles in San Diego, he still had a 453 FIP. So you look at sort of the advanced stats and even his, his worst year is better in that way than Stripling's worst year. Also, they probably, if I were to guess, they have some fix they want to make to him. Um, I don't know that Zaidi knows him from Oakland. They, they weren't major league. They weren't in the majors there at the same time. Um, he would have been in the minor league system. I think though, when Zaidi was, there. uh, I don't know. It doesn't Maybe? look like it. He was traded. Okay. He was traded in 2015 by the Royals. Got it. But probably someone who Zaidi kind of followed from afar, liked maybe he, you know, he would, kind of chat up David Forst from time to time, be like, hey, man, that's Sean Manaya kid, pretty good. And Forrest's like, yeah, we, we like his makeup. And Zaidi's like, aha, I got information out of you. Um, because that's how I assume he is in all human interactions. Uh, and so, you know, they probably see something there that they, they like, that they think they can improve on that the Padres didn't do last year. Something he was doing a little bit more in Oakland. Um, and, you know, they're probably hoping for more innings out of him. He is someone who's been a little bit more reliable in terms of innings other than 2019 when he was hurt for almost the whole year. But otherwise it's been a solid 150 every year, at least. And he does the thing that they also kind of like, he just gives them a different look to throw out in a, you know, in a three game series, it's going to be, you're going to have a sinker guy. You're going to have a power guy. You're going to have a soft tossing lefty guy. So just the jumble itself could be part of that as well. But Good and point. So a different look. His his hair is pretty cool. Wild hair, yes. Also, wild apparently a, a a great teammate too. A very nice guy and a good teammate as well. So, uh, you know, clubhouse culture. It's an intangible. Do you pay for that? It's kind of irrelevant. It's like you pay to get the guy that you want, and part of why you want him is this intangible quality. So, you know, it's it's more that than anything else. Let's just spend a minute talking about Carlos Rodon. Somehow he, they haven't signed him while we've been recording this. I, I can't believe it. Um, so Don, uh, do you think the Giants are still in on him? And does adding him complete a perfect offseason? Or do you feel like they're in pretty good shape already? I don't think they're looking to sign him. I think they could. Um, my kind of idea earlier in the offseason was to trade Alex Cobb. And so Rodon could then, if they could do that, then they could put Rodon in his spot in the rotation. Um but I don't think they are. I think they've made their long-term commitment for the offseason. The Giants, um, I think they've shown themselves to be very, very risk-averse when it comes to, to pitching. Um, and that comes from, that was the case in Zaidi's years in LA too. So Rodon wants a seven-year deal, even if he has to settle for six, that's going to be too much for the Giants. And I think there's a good argument that that will be too much considering his injury history. He's had two good years, but otherwise it's been tough for him to find the field consistently. And even if you were to take out his specific injury risk or injury history, 
it's a pitcher. It's a starting pitcher. And um, I, I love Carlos Rodon uh, as a starting pitcher and I wish the giants signed him, but you know, at the same time, him asking for more than five years, I think even more than four years. Cause what's wrong with, with four years and 120 million, you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> but at the same time, if you can get 150 million for five, why not? Good for him. But I, I don't know. I accidentally scrolled at the bottom of his baseball reference page and who knows, we never talk about similarity scores anymore and that's fine. But <laughs> I, I did. It, it was interesting to see it because on that list were a, bunch of injury red flag guys and i'll lead off with james paxton that was on there and uh and noah lowry those are two uh and then blake snell so <laughs> uh noah lowry not a hard throwing uh left-hander but just, i, I know, mean uh, there's, there's some other good ones on there josh johnson noah Syndergaard, rich harden that's yeah, yeah. And what do you think about when you think about those players? Their injury histories. <laughs> yeah, like once really good pitchers who then got injured and then were never the same. Uh, basically around the time they turned 30, it's just yeah. impossible for them to play baseball anymore. Um, and who knows, right? It's always like, who knows? There's always an exception and and all that stuff. But yes, the Giants being risk averse in his case, I don't really take an issue with. It'd just be nice to have him. Um, but yeah, it looks less and less, but I, it would be interesting what the final deal is. If it winds up being something where you could, if they hadn't got Korea would the giants have maybe done it, but that's all stuff we don't have to deal with because the giants signed Carlos Correa. Yeah. Deal. Uh, so I don't think they're done for this off season. If you're a fan wondering what moves they'll do next, we didn't even really talk about Mitch Hanniger again. Sorry. You know, I really want Mitch Hanniger to just have a, a, a freaking great year this year because we're all kind of forgetting him. He's, he's suddenly being Jan Brady'd or um, Meg from family guide where it's just, no, he's being Josh from 30 rocked. That's what's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch he is, come on the podcast and insult us for not talking about you challenge. Yes. And, but he has his own series of risks and injuries, but you know, it's also not that difficult to imagine they get 130 games out of him and he's like got a 130 weighted runs created plus or something, right? It's not, it's not, um, not even a ridiculous thing to imagine and it would help the giants incredibly. So, but also, you know, Zaidi works best when he gets to play in the filth and, uh, you know, you're going to have some desperate guys in the, towards the end of January. And uh, and the Giants still have moves. They need they need a left-handed bat. I don't know if anyone's paying attention. So <laughs> that everyone they're getting is right-handed. So we'll see. Is Brandon Belt coming back? I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> I guess <laughs> soon enough. Uh, so I guess, and we're gonna take some time until there's the next big signing. If they bring back Rodon, if they if they trade for Mike Trout or something, <laughs> I guess we'll be back. Uh, to t- check in. We'll ch- otherwise uh, expect us next month and then uh, one more month after that. We'll do monthly until the season starts. So uh, until then, thanks for listening and go Giants. Go Giants. Thank you, Carlos Correa, for making our lives better. All right. Yep. Yeah, you too. Bye.